Welcome to the December 31st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26, and the sermon is entitled, The Do's and Don'ts of Discipleship, delivered today by Pastor Nathan Williams. God gives us His Word that reflects the image of Christ that we're all called to be conformed to. We're all called to become like as we follow Him. And today, I've just been weighed on my heart the importance of understanding what true discipleship looks like when we follow Jesus. What a lifestyle looks like of someone who follows Jesus. And Jesus' words explains to us what this little puzzle is supposed to look like as we piece it together in our lives. And I think it's very important, especially in the world we live in, where compromise after compromise after compromise happens in our culture. We may look at churches that make compromise after compromise, and maybe we look in our own families and our own lives and see compromise after compromise. And it's so important as followers of Christ to know what the true image, the true lifestyle of a follower of Christ looks like. And Jesus clearly gives that for us in his word. And today I want us to look in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus teaches us clearly what it looks like to follow him gives us the hope of the gospel, but also the charge of living, not for ourselves, but for him. And we must, as a church, we must, as followers of Christ, stand on this firmly, or else we'll be like the foolish man who built their house on sand, that as the world makes compromises, we'll just be washed with it. So let's look at Luke chapter 9. I want to give some background, and a lot happens in Luke chapter 9. Jesus sends out the 12 disciples with all this power to cast out demons in order to preach the good news. And sometimes I wish I could go around just casting out demons and doing that stuff. But Jesus also had such a big scene of his ministry, the king found out about it. Herod heard about what Jesus was up to. Then Jesus fed 5,000 people out of just a few little things and met needs of all these people. And then Jesus notices who Jesus truly is. Christ, the Son of God. But we see that after all that, Jesus shows us truly what the lifestyle of a disciple is. Well, it's not less than helping people in need. It's not less than knowing who Jesus is. It's so much more. And we see that in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23, where Jesus addresses all these people who have seen all these things, and he tells them what a true lifestyle of a disciple looks like. So read with me, beginning in Luke Chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we just praise you that you give us your word. So we can see the image of what it looks like to follow you. We can see the image of Christ. We can see the hope of the gospel for us as we try to piece together our lives and follow you. 
and our imperfections, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see your perfect image of what you're making us into if we live as disciples who follow you faithfully, Lord. I pray that today as we read this word that you'll get me out of the way, but you'll speak to every heart today as you've just convicted and spoken to me. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in these few little verses, Jesus clarifies this image for us of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And he gives us some do's and don'ts of discipleship. Some things we should do and some things we shouldn't do. And today I want us to look at four of these do's and don'ts. Beginning in verse 23, where we see that Jesus clearly shows us that we do deny self, we don't deny Jesus. He says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, he's giving us a condition. If we want to follow him, there's something we have to do. He says, let him deny himself. I think Jesus is getting to the essentials, the heart of all the world's problems are hearts that don't live for God, are hearts that don't want to serve God, don't want to love God, don't want to know God. And all of us, including me especially, have this problem. It goes all the way back to the fall when Adam and Eve heard, well, did God really say? Well, you know, God just told you that. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. God, if God didn't want you to eat this, because you'll become like him if you ate the fruit. And Adam and Eve ate of it, trying to take control of their lives and be like God. And from that day on, the human condition has been we have tried to make gods of ourselves and we've tried to live for ourselves in the driver's seat, paving our own roads, paving our own routes, kind of putting God in the background. And Jesus makes clear if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to be a disciple who lives for him, you must first deny that inclination in you to live for yourself. Makes me think of playing basketball growing up. I know I've mentioned basketball before. One of my favorite things to do was to hit someone trying to shoot a shot as hard as I could and send it in the opposite direction and say, you've been denied. <laughs> and shake my little finger or something, feel like I'm all big and bad. But I would stop them in their tracks. I was short, so it didn't happen that often. But in our lives following Jesus, we have to do that to our own hearts. We have to shut it down. We have to deny ourselves and look to Christ and understand that sometimes how we feel, how we think, what we think is best is really distorted by our own motives. Distorted by a sinful heart. And we're blinded by that because we see the world through distorted lenses sometimes. But Jesus says, no, read my word and see the clear image of who you're meant to be. And that means sometimes when you misalign with God's word, you must deny yourself and follow me. You can't have true discipleship without this heart. You can't have true discipleship without acknowledging that daily we need to lay our own pride aside and follow Christ. It's nothing we ever grow out of needing to do even though the Spirit works in us and empowers us to do it better as we mature, we always need to deny our flesh that wants to do our own thing. We can so easily put Jesus in the passenger seat or in the back seat or in the trunk. We say we have him, but he's not in control of our lives. 
But Jesus says, no, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to truly be a disciple who follows me, you must deny yourself and give me the wheel. I don't know about you, that's really hard to hear. Sometimes I don't like hearing that. But it's the truth that I need to hear. Because if I live for myself, if we live for ourselves, we'll get it wrong. And we'll mess it up. So Jesus makes clear that we must lay our own wills aside and depend on him. We must deny ourselves and live for him. And he understands it's going to be hard. And he gives us a very gruesome image of this. In the second part of verse 23, he says, Take up, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. We hear the word cross. We probably have crosses everywhere in here. We hear that idea of lot. But when the disciples heard this, they probably were like, oh, are we on the right team here? Are we really following the right guy? Because a cross is the most gruesome way to die that we know. Sometimes taking days or at least hours of just hanging and in pain and suffocating. And Jesus likens the image of following him to that, which seems kind of, well, that's not a good salesman tactic. But he says, no, you need to take up your cross and follow me. Because sometimes it's going to feel like we're suffering to live for him. When our flesh wants one thing, but God's word says something else, it's going to be painful to deny ourselves and live for him. And he gives us all of that news up front that it will be hard to follow him. And he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Because every struggle, every pain we go through, Jesus is using that to make us more into who he's made us to be. And the less of me that's in the picture and the more of Christ that's in the picture, the better. And that's why we must deny ourselves. We must die to ourselves, even if it's painful under a cross, to live for Jesus Christ. And we must do that daily. Growing up, I did not like my parents' rules. And I kind of felt like they were a cross sometimes. When they told me to go do my chores, anything from making my bed, which I know that's not a big deal, but it was for Nathan, to cleaning up after myself, cleaning, doing the yard work, limiting how much TV I could watch, telling me to go to bed at a certain time. All these rules seemed like a big burden they had given me, but looking back, I am the better for all those things. If I got my way and I could just be temper tantruming my way through life, I would be a much worse off person now than being told to deny myself and listen to my parents growing up. And it's like that following Christ. When we pick up our cross and we deny ourselves, there's, no, there's a purpose in it. He says, and follow me. We'll be following him, becoming like him. So my question that I've had for myself, and I think all of us should have, is what is our cross? That Jesus asked us to pick up as we follow him. Maybe it's our pride that wants it always to be about us. And Jesus says, it's okay not to be the sinner. Make me the sinner. 
Maybe it's anxiety over family situations or social problems we're dealing with or our finances or fill in the blank. Jesus says, live for me and have faith that I will take care of all those things. And I will use those things for your good as I make you into what you were made to be. And it's a painful process, but what is your cross that Jesus has asked you to carry? Maybe serving at church is hard to do. But Jesus says, it's okay, just I am making you into what you're made to be as you serve me. We all have some sort of cross that we are to carry. Probably heard the expression, no pain, no gain. It's kind of a silly thing to say, but I do think it's true sometimes in the Christian life. If we have no pain, we should be worried. Because following Jesus is hard. But in this, we see that Jesus gives us hope. If it stopped here, you would just have another religion with a list of things we had to do. And it was all up to you to deny yourself and figure it out to become more like Jesus. But we see him show us an underpinning reason why we should deny ourselves. And we see that in verse 24. Begins with the word for. He's giving a logical connection to why we must deny ourselves. He says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We can almost literally look at the first part of that verse as saying, if you try to deliver yourself, you destroy yourself. If you try to rescue yourself, you destroy yourself. Second half of that verse, Jesus gives a solution. He says, no, lose your life. Not in some suicidal type way, saying, for my sake. Underline that, circle that. That's so essential. For my sake. He's saying, if you're depending on me as you deny yourself, as you take up your cross, you will save your life. Because my work is sufficient to deliver you when you can't. My spirit in you is sufficient to empower you when you don't have the power or strength of yourself. So don't try to do it on your own. Depend on me. And we see the second little do or don't that Jesus gives us of discipleship here. That we do depend on Jesus. We don't depend on self. As we deny ourselves, we must also deny our self-dependency. Is the core of following Jesus. The core of the gospel is we can't do anything on ourselves apart from the grace of God. And as we follow Jesus, something probably something that's convicted me the most out of this passage as I've studied is the idea that we never get to a place of self-sufficiency in our walk with Jesus. We never get to a place of self-sufficiency, having it figured out, Jesus, I've got this stuff, you get that stuff. We always are completely dependent on Jesus Christ who saved us and is persevering us until the end as we depend on him to work through us. Jesus says, don't think you can deliver yourself. Don't think you can rescue yourself. Don't think that keeping me in the back seat is enough and just calling back when you get lost is enough. No, you must let me rule and be your Lord in everything. 
And you must follow me. Because if you do it for my sake, you will gain your life. You will live your life the way God intended humans to live. You will live your life in the best way possible that you will never be able to figure out on yourself because you will be in the arms of God that you were made for, dependent on Jesus Christ to work through your life. Many of us probably go to the doctor for checkups. I probably don't go as much as I should. But we can't turn Jesus into just a physician that we go to for checkups every now and then, maybe it's Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, or less than that, just whenever we need him. Jesus must be our great physician that we depend on as we depend on a surgeon. When a surgeon cuts open our chest and is working on our heart, I don't, I'm a, you would be asleep. You wouldn't be waking up telling them how to do it. You'd be completely dependent on them to rescue you and to save you. In the same way, our heart problem of wanting to live for ourselves and not for God needs open heart surgery of the Holy Spirit changing us. Needs dependence on Jesus who is the great physician to work in our hearts and to change us and to make us into who we're meant to be. Utterly dependent on Him to do it. Giving up and putting our life in His hand and following Him in complete faith. And if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to serve in the church, if we're going to be disciples who glorify Christ, we cannot do it in our own strength. We must do it dependent on Jesus Christ. If we don't understand at the heart of our salvation, the heart of living for Christ is utter dependence on Jesus Christ, we've misunderstood what grace is. Grace is undeserved, unearned favor from God, not something that we've earned. And Jesus says, lose your life and just trust in me. Follow me. I'm the one who made you. I know how you're meant to live. Trust my word and follow me. Even when it's hard, even when it feels like a cross, because I am making you into who you're meant to be if you do that. One day, if when we stand before the throne of God, if we're asked, what are we doing there? Our honest answer is, we don't deserve to be there. We've done nothing to be there, but Jesus Christ has said we can because of his work on the cross and our faith in him. And that's the true if you're a sinner coming to Christ right now, or if you're a sinner who's been following Christ for 50 years, you're utterly dependent on Jesus Christ to save you and to work in you. And we can never get to a place of thinking we're self-sufficient as we follow Jesus Christ. That's probably one of the most important don'ts of following Jesus is thinking we have it all together in of ourselves, Which cuts to my heart that I can't depend on myself, but I must utterly depend on Jesus Christ. But we see another four. If you look in the next verse, we see another logical connection. Jesus is, is saying all the whys, like a little kid who says, why, why? Jesus is expecting these whys. Why deny ourselves? Well, you're going to lose your life if you don't lose it for me. Well, why should I depend on you? Well, here's another reason, and we see that in verse 25. Jesus says, four, showing the connection, whoever is ashamed of me in my words, 
Sorry, I skipped a verse. Verse 25, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Jesus is explaining why we must deny ourselves, why we must depend on him. Because what do we gain if we lose ourselves, if we lose our lives by trying to gain the world? What do we gain if we get everything we dream of, get all the money we want, all the status we want, all the impact we want, all the impressive resume lines we want, if we don't know Christ, if we don't have a relationship with the only thing we were made for, and that's Jesus Christ. What do we profit if we gain anything else other than Jesus Christ? And Jesus gives us a third do and don't. That a disciple depends on Jesus because they do desire Jesus. They don't desire the world. The reason we follow him, the reason we depend on him, the reason we deny ourselves is because we want to know Jesus Christ. We want to be with him. We want to live for him. And we want a relationship with him. The one thing that we must have in order to be a true human being is to be a, have a relationship with our maker. And we profit, we gain nothing if we don't have that. Makes me think of the creation account. I don't know if I'm reading into it, but when you see God create things, he speaks to the earth and vegetation comes out. What happens if you take vegetation out of the earth? It withers up and dies. You may put it in a vase for a little bit, but that, it doesn't grow. It just withers up and dies a little bit slower. Then he spoke... He spoke to the water in a way and brought, said, let there be fish of the sea. What happens if you take a fish out of water? It dies. He talks to the earth again. But then when he gets to man, he says, let us make man in our own image. God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are working together in creation. And they say, let us make man in our image. What happens if you take man away from God? We die. That is what death is, not knowing God. We might be a plant that stays green for a little bit in this life, but eventually will wither up if we don't know God and we don't have God. Not just as a checklist in our backseat in our life, but knowing him daily as we follow him, as we desire to know him more. Jesus says, hey, you don't gain anything if you don't know me, if you don't desire me. One of my favorite passages is in John 17, 3, when Jesus is doing a prayer and he says that this is eternal life. He tells us what eternal life is and is that they know the Father and that they know Jesus Christ. Knowing God is life. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our truth. And he is the way we must follow if we want to live fully as a human, as we were made and designed to live. If not, we're a fish out of water, not denying ourselves, trying to figure out flopping on the ground, thinking we have life figured out, just to wither away one day. But Jesus says, no, the true lifestyle of a disciple desires me, knows me. Even when I feel fall off, they cry out to me, seeking me, wanting to grow in the grace and the knowledge of who I am. We do desire Jesus, we don't desire the world. With all the world may offer, all the world may feel attractive sometimes, 
None of us are exempt for sometimes looking at the thing that is good to the eyes. Good maybe to the taste, but ultimately leads to death. But God's, Jesus says, no, you don't gain anything unless you follow me. You desire me. You come after me and give your life to the one you were made for. I think Paul sums it up perfectly in Philippians chapter 3. If you want to flip there, you can. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. He goes through a big list of all the things he's accomplished in life. What makes him better than everyone else? Because Paul had some things he could brag about that I can't. But he says, in comparison to Jesus Christ, the the desire he had for him, all those things faded into the background. Just three verses in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but through which, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. We see Paul just lay his life out bare. That my discipleship of following Jesus is nothing I do compares to knowing him and having him. I don't make a sacrifice if I give up things in order to follow Jesus. Because I desire Him above all things. And that's the heart of a disciple. A lifestyle of following Jesus is a heart that wants to know Him. Understand, we're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to mess up. We're going to have mistakes. But we do it in dependence on Jesus Christ. Denying ourselves because we want to know Him more. We put our faith in the good news of the gospel that by grace we're saved through Jesus Christ and we can live our life as we were made for, not because we've earned it, but because Jesus has given it to us as a gift. And because of that, it just makes Jesus so much more precious to us that we want more than anything else. We're more satisfied with than anything else. Because we don't profit anything if we gain the world but lose Christ, who is our life. And originally, I was going to stop there. But I was convicted of verse 26 continues, where Jesus is making clear the response of what a disciple's life looks like. Yes, a disciple is saved by denying themselves, depending on Christ and desiring Him and living for Him. But that could quickly become a selfish thing where it's all about you and Jesus and you don't care about anyone else. But Jesus makes clear that the lifestyle of a disciple isn't just between him and God, but it's through him to other people. It's through our lives to minister to those around us as we depend on Jesus Christ to work through us. So let's look at verse 26 that I so eagerly read earlier. For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. And when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. We see that Jesus says, he has another four, he's underpinning things. That hey, if in all of this you can see that you truly desire me, you truly depend on me, you're truly denying yourself. If you are not hiding me away in your life. 
If you're not ashamed of me as a person, but also of my word and of my truth. We see the last, the fourth do and don't of being a disciple who follows Jesus Christ, and it's that we do declare Jesus, we don't diminish him. It's like the little kid song we all sang of letting our light shine, not covering up. We must let our light shine. And by that, I don't mean we just say Jesus' name, but we open up our lives and show how Jesus' name is changing our lives. Letting our brokenness be seen by the world and by our family, but then giving the hope of the gospel of what Jesus is doing through us because we're dependent on Him and we're denying ourselves. Declaring that good news of Jesus Christ is what changes lives. Not smacking people with the Bible that says, do this, not that. Well, that helps. It doesn't change hearts that need God to change. Jesus says, do not be ashamed of me. If you truly desire me, you'll be proud of me. It's like grandparents who's proud of their little grandbabies. I'm about to have a kid, and I've seen my dad change. He's like turning into a scary thing of he's I think this kid's gonna get spoiled <laughs> but grandparents are proud to talk about even their not yet here grandchildren proud to put things together and declare to people what's happening I'm sure some of you have pictures more pictures of your grandkids and kids on your phones than of yourself or anything else because you desire and cherish that so much more than other things that you just want to let other people know about it but how do, much do we desire Christ and want to declare, declare Him? Make Him known in our lives. Not just go to church here, then go home. How much do we want to go back out? The, above the doors as you leave, it says you're entering a mission field. Do we have that attitude? We come expecting, but we go expecting. Wanting to declare the good news of Jesus Christ to the community that's lost and struggling. To co-workers who don't have the hope that we have. To family members who are even our children who are trying to figure out the world. We don't let them just wander around like a fish out of water trying to figure out. We help guide them in denying themselves and showing them how to depend on Christ. Showing them the worth of Christ by declaring his greatness to them. We do that by discipling other people that Jesus has commanded all of us to do. Is to make disciples of investing in other people's lives. Sharing the hope we have. Imperfectly but dependent on Jesus Christ to work through us. Investing in people, inviting people into our lives, showing how Jesus works in us. Showing our imperfections so that they can see the perfection of Christ. Taking hold of the truth that Paul held on to with all his might, that even in his weakness, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Do we declare that truth in our lives? Or do we diminish Jesus Christ by just keeping him in our back seat? Hopefully not in our trunk. Following him kind of in a half-hearted way where we'll deny ourselves when it's convenient, which isn't really denying ourselves at all. Are we doing just enough to follow Jesus to where we're not dependent on him or are we doing all this because we desire something for ourselves other than desiring Jesus Christ? Jesus says, don't diminish that. 
declare the truth of the gospel. That if you deny yourself, what you're really doing is denying the disease that we all have, which is sin. That we're all born with, that we want to live for ourselves. And you're depending on the one Savior who can deliver you. And if you know that Savior, He's more precious to you than anything else in the world, and you want to make Him known to other people, because the joy of knowing Him is too great to keep to yourself. And Jesus says, a lifestyle of a disciple looks like someone who daily denies themselves in dependence on Jesus Christ out of a desire to know Him, all the while declaring how great our Lord is. And as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ who are living in an increasingly changing world that wants to change what the Bible says, wants to change what church looks like, want to compromise certain moral standards of things, we must be certain of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And what is at stake if we try to gain the pleasing the world while forsaking Jesus Christ? So while I come to you today, not out of perfection, but out of conviction, I just pray that as a church, that we will pursue following Jesus Christ. Trying to piece together this puzzle that is complicated sometimes, but Jesus lays out for us what it looks like. Let's not neglect the truth that he gives us, the hope he gives us, the encouragement he gives us, that his grace is sufficient for our weaknesses. The gospel is powerful enough to rescue any of us, no matter how messed up we are or how messed up we continue to be. But the call remains, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Let us pray. Holy Father, we just praise you for your grace, your greatness that has made us, gave us the hope of life, but also your grace that is so sufficient that even when we rebel and turn against you and try to live for ourselves, you still make a way through Jesus Christ. You become a man and suffer and died for us so that we could have hope by faith in Jesus Christ of living and knowing and having a relationship with God that we ruin by our own mishaps. I pray that today that every Christian in this room will understand the sincere call of Christ of what it looks like to follow him and that we'll see the hope of depending on Jesus Christ. It's not us figuring it out all of ourselves. It's us throwing ourselves at Christ's feet and depending on him. But God, I just pray for anyone in this room who has maybe come to church for a long time, going through motions or lives one way and then comes to church and lives another way. Lord, if your spirit's working in their life right now, Lord, I pray that they won't push that to the side, but that they'll deny themselves in order to confess their brokenness and their need to depend on Jesus Christ. Their confession that they've been living and desiring things of the world other than Jesus Christ and that they want to repent and turn from their old way and now live for Jesus alone. And I pray if you're doing that work that today that unashamedly 
that person will confess you as Lord and live for you, knowing that instantly that your grace is sufficient for them and that they have a good news to declare as they walk out these doors. In Jesus' name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.